Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Brandon Cobb. Brandon is the CEO of HBG Capital, a real estate acquisition company where he and his team handle around 40 transactions a year, focusing on new construction and rehab in the single-family residential market. He handles uh, large multifamily acquisitions, Brandon is a trusted voice in his field. He has spoken multiple times at the Realty 411 Investor Expo, appeared on the cover of REI Wealth Magazine, and has even had an article published in Forbes. And it's such a pleasure to have him on with us today. We're going to learn a lot about real estate investing and about how to manage your business in general. So Brandon, thank you so much for coming on today and welcome to the show. I love the intro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. So I want to get an idea a little bit about your background, right? Because, you know, you had this, uh, basically you started out just doing, uh, you know, some real estate investing, you know, on your own, flipping them. And now you've grown into this major company where people want to know how you are doing it. Can you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today with HBG? Sure. I started out doing medical device sales when I was in college and um, right right after graduating college. Um, Did that for a number of years and finally at one point got fired from my job. It was something that came as a shock. I certainly wasn't prepared for it. And it came at a time where I thought I was killing it. And so when I got let go from my job, I realized at that point that I could not rely on anybody else for my future. You know, no matter how hard you work for somebody, at the end of the day, these big corporations have to make tough decisions sometimes. And that was a big realization that no matter how hard you work and loyal to somebody, you can just get let go like that. And so that really gave me the opportunity to pursue things on my own. I personally don't consider myself a natural entrepreneur. I don't know that I would have ever quit my job and tried to start a business if it had not been for my previous boss firing me. I'm very thankful for that. But uh, at the time, I was just trying to figure things out. I had no clue what direction I was going to go. I think at the time I was working on a motivational blog. I was working on a course on how to help people break into medical device sales. And, you know, I was kind of pursuing this real estate thing. Uh, One thing led to another. Uh, Met a guy to meet up. We're the only two that showed up. And he had a lot more experience than I did. And I explained what I was trying to do. And I knew that I needed to find like a mentor to really get me off the the ground. And, uh, you know, he agreed to help and said, hey, do these things. I went out and did these things that led to us flipping our first house. And to this day, I remember waking up at 5 a.m. every morning and driving an hour and 20 minutes away to go manage this flip with no construction experience whatsoever. And uh, we ended up making a decent amount of money from that. And from there, we just poured that capital directly back into the business uh, in the form of marketing. 
marketing ended up making even more deals for us. We just kept taking the profits and just dumping it back into the business. And because we kept doing that, that's how we've been able to grow so fast. You know, what's the interesting thing about people in your industry is that a lot of them really start out from humble beginnings, right? Where it's really like, uh, you, you know, you get fired from your job or you're just thinking like, nah, this isn't for me. And you go into something that you admittedly do not have a lot of experience in, right? And there are so many pitfalls that you could fall into when you start out with this. And I think one of the most interesting quotes I've ever heard about this is that you make money when you buy, not when you sell, Mm -hmm. right? And that you're what you're really looking for is to buy at the right price so that you can then apply everything that you need to do in order to make that property sellable, right? In order to make that property actually work for you. At what point did you feel that you have crested that hill that you were able to say like, okay, now I got it. Now I know where, you know, where the actual money is made instead of just buying a property and then hoping I'll be able to flip it for a bigger price at a later date. That's a great question. And really from the beginning, we started building out systems and processes. So we were very, very conservative. We did not want to take any chances. So that's why we would always put that property under contract with a due diligence period to be able to perform our research, you know, get a home inspection, whatever we needed to do, get bids from contractors. That way we were not surprised if, you know, something unexpected came up. You know, we always built in a 10 to 15% uh, you know, margin variable, right? You know, when I was first starting out, I didn't know what to do. We got all these bids in. I'm like, great. Well, how much padding do we have? So we made sure when we were starting out that we had plenty of padding in the deal, lots and lots of equity. And we knew exactly what we could sell it for when we were flipping it. We knew exactly what the costs were going to be. We built in a buffer just in case. And so there was a lot of runway to make a lot of mistakes in that first deal. We knew that we had to get it right, you know, the first couple of years, because just one bad deal can really derail it, right? It goes back to that old, uh, at age saying, it's like never rules, uh, what is it? Never lose money is rule number one. What is rule number two? Never forget rule number one. So that was a big part of it. You know, what's really interesting about that is recognizing early on that you're not going to know everything about the deal, right? There's always going to be something a little bit hidden. There's always going to be something under the surface, but there are ways to mitigate your losses, right? There are ways for you to figure out, okay, if I'm not the expert here, then who is the expert and how can I get them on my side? Let's talk about that. That's part of your one big tip, right? Is that it's not the who, it's you know, it's the who, not the how, right? So when you figure out who the person is who can actually get it done for you, like how do you, first of all, figure out who that who is and then, you know, utilize that person in order to make the, the deal profitable for you? That's a great question. And the real estate industry is really a perfect industry for this because if you want to build a house, you're not going to go learn plumbing and HVAC work and electrical work and framing and concrete and drywall and paint. Like it just, you would never get it done, right? Especially if you're going to do it at scale. But we make that mistake a lot of times as entrepreneurs, especially when it's just us first starting out. We can't afford to hire anybody. Um, Or maybe we're at that stage where we are hiring people, but we're not systemizing the business right and taking the proper steps to lay that foundation. I'm telling you, as somebody, I can remember very vividly back four or five years ago, I was answering all the phones. I was going all the appointments. I was uh, managing the contractors. I was doing the sales and marketing. I was trying to raise capital. And I did this for like 
a year and a half. And I got to the point where I was burned out. I was like, I can't, I can't do this forever. And this is coming from someone who didn't have a wife, no kids. I mean, it was just me, right? I mean, I'd sacrificed my social life, um, even, even friends and family, like not picking up the phone when mama bear calls. I mean, you always pick up the phone when mama bear calls, but I remember that. And I was just like, this is just terrible. And being able to identify those jobs first that one, you're not good at, and two, that you don't enjoy doing. And for me, that was the construction side. I hated building. I hated managing contractors. I knew I needed to get that off my plate. And when I started to figure out like, okay, I, you know, one, surrounded myself with a lot of people who were doing what I wanted to do and being a lot more successful at it at the time than me. And when I saw how they had their businesses set up and the right hires they made, I was like, oh, the I'm really good at sales. I need to do sales last, right? Hire that last. Do that position until it's the last one you need to fill. First thing I needed to get off my plate was I did not need to manage any more construction. There's no amount of money you could pay me to manage contractors. And having that realization when it just when it clicks, when you make that hire and you get the stuff that you're not good at off your plate and even better, the stuff that you hate, it is like a complete weight lifted off your shoulders. I think that's why most entrepreneurs are so stressed out and they like hate their life. I saw a cartoon of um, it's like two el elderly gentlemen in like old suits from like the 1800s, and they're carrying this guy out on a uh, you know one of those like movable beds, and he's like hanging off the bed, and it's says in like words, "This man was an entrepreneur." I think that's like it kills us, right? Because we're doing all the things that we don't need to be doing, and uh, and I'm excited to talk about my one big. Uh, a tip today with you, but more so, I think, you know, people have kind of heard this concept before, but I want to actually give them some of the actual tips and tricks on implementing it and like what it did specifically. So not just talking about the subject matter as a whole, I want to tell you some stories and exactly what I did to systemize and fill each role and how I used who, not how to change my life. You know, I'd love that. I think this particular subject, people are, uh, you know, just about everyone's heard it, right? But they need to hear it again and they need to hear it again and they need to hear it even more because what happens is that, you know, you sort of forget it. You know, at some point, you know, you start thinking to yourself like, uh, I can do this. It'll only take a few minutes. I can do this. It'll only take an hour. And then you're like, no, but you know, that's such precious time that you're losing. And then when you start adding up all of that time that you're losing by figuring out how am I going to get this done? Someone who is perfectly skilled to do that for you is just going to kill it for you. Right. He's just going to he's he's going to go and get it done. He's going to go and most likely for a hell of a lot cheaper than what your per hour per hour rate is worth. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. I would love to hear some stories on how you were able to to bag some really big wins, you know, just by figuring out who you need to put in. A, you need to put in a place and not how you're going to do it. So my first hire ever made was an assistant and she mainly was in charge of answering the phones and scheduling the appointments for me, right? Because I was still uh, running sales. And so what I did was because I had certain expectations to meet. So what we wanted to do was there's certain outcomes that we wanted to achieve, right? So when you answer the phone, for example, you want to make sure by the end of that call that that customer feels like we understand their needs. They feel like they've called the nicest company in the world and they understand that we can solve their problems, right? Like that is an outcome. That is an expectation. And so my ability to capture that and then communicate it and systemize it in what we call a customer experience roadmap, that allows me to hold my team accountable and it gives them the information they need to be able to perform. So I'll never forget, I was running 100 miles an hour and I was interviewing and I was like, 
I think I was in the process of moving and I was like literally sitting on like a beanbag because my place wasn't set up yet. And I was having these Zoom calls with potential people to hire and, um, you know, came across this this woman who was very well spoken. You know, this was a work from home position. I made that very clear. I wanted to give people the you know, the power to do their job and just deliver results, not deliver just hours work. And when I hopped on that interview with her and I was like, this, this is the person, this is who I've got to hire. When I was able to uh, plug her in and give them this onboarding guide. And the onboarding guide was an effort to look at all the duties and responsibilities. So for example, like here's here's how to answer the phone call properly and what to say. And I put a script to it. I actually wrote down the script so she can kind of memorize it, not sound robotic, put it in her own words, but have something to go off of. All the right questions that she needed to ask on that call to get the information to set me up for the most successful appointment, right? The follow-up text that she needed to send before the appointment, the follow-up emails, right? We'll also send customers like an introductory email, like kind of here's what to expect. When I was able to build all that and just give it to her and offload that and enable her to do what she was really good at, that freed up so much of my time because then I could focus on the higher dollar per hour activities that I was really, really good at, right? You know, raising capital, closing deals, meeting with sellers, hiring other people. So taking that one puzzle piece and making sure that you clearly outlined it with those duties and responsibilities, that was a huge game changer for her. So I highly recommend if you haven't already, build you a customer experience roadmap for whatever position it is and make sure that you outline the key expectations out of each stage that you're handing that customer off in when you're building out these onboarding guides for your team. You know, that's really cool because we talk a lot about uh, processes and, uh, you know, SOP standard operating procedures all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And they are so important because, you know, like you sometimes think like, no, well, each one of my clients is unique. Well, yeah, but you know, you are delivering a product, you know, like when you go to your bank, it doesn't matter whether you're depositing $5 or $5 million, that's still a product that they are giving you. Right. So they have a standard procedure on how to deal with you, whether you want to withdraw $5 or $5 million. Right. It's, it's all there. It's all written out. Everybody is on the same page in terms of how to interact with that customer as you're going through the process. When, like, once you realize that, so you, all right, so that was the first hire. That was the first person you got in that really helped you out. Like, what happens next? Like, what what was, like, the net effect of, you know, once you get this person trained up, you know, where else did you look for for inefficiencies that a who can come in and correct for you? That's a great question. It was the problems we were having. So like that next position I knew I needed, we were working with like GCs at the time, but we wanted to build an in-house construction company and do it ourselves. Because if we're going to be managing a lot of our investors' capital and helping build their goals and dreams aligned with ours, we were going to need to make sure that we weren't reliant on some builder, some third-party person to perform on our asset, you know, right? Like build our assets that our investors' money is uh, secured by. And if that person were to bite off more business, they can chew, they start underperforming, they, they retire, they go bankrupt, whatever that reason is, we couldn't, so we knew we needed to vertically integrate. So we're having a lot of problems, like the same issues were coming up over and over again. That was one thing to look at. That's how we knew we needed to start with those issues because we wanted to stop that. If there were questions we were constantly getting, how do we remove the back and forth between all the subcontractors, right? And in the early stages, we were doing a lot of things uh, backwards. Uh, You know, there's certain parts in construction, uh, like you don't 
paint before you put, you know, the drywall up, right? You know, that would be an example of something you do before and after, but we hadn't properly uh, systemized everything and put it in a chronological order. So specifically what we started doing was building out the processes and systems we needed for the project manager position. And this was a little more difficult because I didn't have the construction experience. Now my, my, my partner I've been working with at this point because things were moving, he had uh, gotten a lot more involved and there was a lot more turning. So he had a little bit more construction knowledge, um, but he's like a tornado, right? Like I'm, I'm the more analytical guy, the organized guy. And he's like, let's just go make it happen and stop talking about it. So we developed a, uh, custom built software program. And basically what we did, everything I do in every position has to be understood by a third grader. And I don't mean it disrespectfully in the sense of who's dealing with it, but if you can't communicate in terms of a third grader can understand, you have not properly explained it. So we went out and we built that in chronological order, step one, all the way from you're pouring the foundation. Here's, here's what to do with a training video. Boom. Here's framing with a little video, here's what we're looking for, right? All the way through, I can give this template that we've built out in our project management software with all the training videos, literally in, in a third grader, I kid you not, could understand it. Now, whether or not they could actually do the construction is a whole nother point, but we made it where it was really, really, really easy to understand. And that eliminated so much back and forth and allowed us to really, really scale our business. You know, you hit on something really important here, which is video. And now video is so easy to make, right? Everyone is holding these little 4K cameras, you know, yeah. in the palm of our hands. Anyone can be a professional video producer, mm -hmm. right? And, th and that's really the key. You know, it's like, it's, you know, not only can you take pictures of your, you know, of your beautiful dinner that you created, but you can also, you know, like just get up in front of there and just say like, okay, guys, this is how I want to do it. And when you're communicating, and even if it's someone say that they don't, that English isn't their first language. Or maybe there is something lost in translation, whatever it is. Now that you're seeing an example of what is what is a good pour for concrete or what is a what is a bad pour for concrete, it's like, okay, that it's clear. It's like, dude, did you see the video? Right. And uh, you know, it just eliminates all of that back and forth. It eliminates all of that, like, like, okay, you know, this is exactly what is going on you know, in my head. And here I'm demonstrating for you exactly what I want. When you put all this together, when you put all this in your project management software and set up these processes and all that, what was the reaction from your general contractors when they, you know, as they're working with you, you know, versus others, like, you know, they're like, oh God, this guy wants to micromanage me. Or do they really take it as like, you know, this is really great. Thank you so much for clearing that up for me. Yeah, so it was more for our teams, right? The general contractors weren't using the software. We mainly worked with like crews, right? Like we were the GC and we had project managers that were managing the crews. The crews, we wouldn't plug into the software because it would just be asking way too much of them, right? They serve multiple customers and ask them to log into this for us was a little much at the time. But our project managers loved it because it made their life so much easier. You know, when you're managing, you know, at this point, you know, 22 new construction builds all at the exact same time for you to show up on a job and be like, where am I? Right? Like, where did we leave off? What needs to get done? If you have a very simple template that's chronologicalized into specific tasks and those tasks have been checked off or they haven't, you can see, oh, great. This has been done. He can go click on that specific task, look at the photos and notes that he put in last time and immediately have a sense of like where he is. 
this this changed their life. I, I personally think I've done construction management. I'm not good at it. And for the guys that do it, you know, it can, it can be a stressful industry. It can be a lot of fun. And, you know, it's like a good old boy kind of culture, but it can be very stressful. When we brought that level of organization, it was almost like you've got a lot of old blood in the construction industry. And we felt like we were the new blood coming in and just organizing it and making it better. Our project managers absolutely loved it. And they actually thanked us for it because they're like, dude, this this makes my life so much easier, right? I'm not having to get a phone call from you asking why something wasn't getting done because now I can see it. It's like, I think there's like 87 bullet points. And to ask a human being to remember all that and keep up with it, I think we have some unrealistic expectations sometimes of the people that we hire and they're supposed to just figure it out and get it. And when they came to us and thanked us for that, they're like, you've just made my life so much easier. Thank you. It was a great thing. And that, and, and really, that that was probably the be- the biggest turning point for us when I was like, aha, the more value I can deliver on the expectations and how to do the job properly and be able to just give somebody with the experience to do it, like that was what really allowed us to scale. You know, I, I really love that you brought up the, you know, the quantity of bullet points because, uh, the, you know, that really brings home the point of um, pilots, right? Every single thing that they do is on a checklist, right? Yes. Uh, engine number one blows out while they're in midair. The first thing, they don't just sit there and like, oh, shit, what do I do now? No, they go open up a book, right? And it, it, and it says, did you start this? Did you start that? Did you restart? The, you know, they just go through the checklist. And pilots will tell you each and every time it frees their mind to, to work the problem instead of panicking or doing something in the wrong order or just making, or just making things worse. Right. And there are so many examples of that. So that when you do finally, you know, get to the root cause and you're able to manage it, you know, that's where lives are saved. And that's where, uh, you know, that's where construction gets done and that's where money is made. And it's as simple as that, you know, just have the process in place. Even if you think that you can't manage, you know, something as dynamic as building a house or building, you know, or flying a plane. Yeah, you can. And it's been proven, you know, many industries will show you, you know, yes, this is how we do it. And here's why we do it. So thank you so much for sharing that. Can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly? They'd like to learn more. Yeah, uh, you can head on over to hbgcapital.net. That's our investor-facing network. We're always taking on new investors. We're constantly have new construction opportunities in Middle Tennessee in the pipeline and commercial assets in the Southeast. So uh, head on over to hbgcapital.net and send us a message if you want to set up an introductory call. We'd love to explore more whether or not we might be able to help you. I love it. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I love nerding out on this stuff. And you've been a great guest. So thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, 
and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.